You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Padres Social Hour, our last show of the week. There is more news when it comes to the state of baseball in 2020. We will cover all of that. Uh, we'll also have some fun and do our uh, usual nonsense on this show. Thursdays are great days uh, because Don and Mutter here, two gentlemen that need no further introduction. Uh, television voices of yours, San Diego Padres on Fox Sports San Diego, uh, Don Orsillo and Mark Grant. We have talked an awful lot about facial hair with you guys, mostly Mudcat related uh, in these last few weeks. He's got the Raleigh Fingers thing going on. All of a sudden, though, we got a clean shaven Dan over here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's looking sexy. He's looking good. Yeah, there's a lot of face, man. I don't like it. It's too much face. It's all face. It's just so be, much face. Yeah. Can man. I be honest? Sure. You shaved 20 years off your looks. Oh come I'm, on! I'm dead serious. You, sound you like look so fresh and like the prospect right. you were back in the day. Yeah. There is a lot of face on that forehead. You can rent that out for billboard. I mean, it's you can endless. rent that out. You can and make then, some like, money. There's no definition now, like as to where the chin begins and ends. There's oh, no, sure there is. There's no definition. I don't. I don't like. It's just one big blob of face. I think he's looking good, Jesse. I really do. Uh, is there any truth to the rumor, Don, that uh, your mother is responsible for this? Uh, no, she's been talking. She's been calling for this for over a year and a half, somewhere in the neighborhood of eighteen months. Uh, she's been asking for this, and it, it, it total. Total mistake. I'm going to come completely clean on this. Yeah. Was it a combination uh, of things? I, I decided that I was going to try and color it because the gray was bothering me. <laughs> and uh, I, I put on this this substance. Uh, it was supposed to be five minutes. It was supposed to be like a, a touch of gray, allegedly. And it came out like tar. And I said, oh, I'll, I'll wash it out. Things will be cool. This is just how it looks when you you, you apply it. And then I took shower and it, it was the same. Nothing changed. Nothing came out. It was just really bad. I sent both of you gentlemen pictures of it, and it was decided yesterday that there was no way to proceed uh, on camera today or in the immediate future without removing it completely. So the decision was made yesterday, uh, and the, the goatee was removed completely. And now what do we have? We have mega face. That's what we got. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I think yeah. you should have saved it for the show, quite frankly, and for the shaved fans. on the show. No, or yeah, yeah, you should have the, opened oh, the show and have you make fun of me for an hour. That would yeah. have been awesome. You should have started the show so with the said goatee. Van Dyke died to see how horrible, yeah. and then a shaving. It, it you saw it. I'm looking like, at yeah. it right now. It was pretty bad. You made the yeah. right decision by shaving. There was no, there was no way around. There was nothing. You know else. what, Jesse? When you look at that picture when he died, it it almost looked like he was fake, like photoshopped on, doesn't it? It's so, it doesn't it? It's like somebody took I, a black marker Photoshop and put. It was like a science experiment gone bad, and there was there was no way to to keep it. So, hey, you know uh, what they say about foreign substances in baseball? You got to be very careful, mm-hmm. right? 
Right. Yeah. You got, so you got it, it, it's gone, and now I'm full of face. You're looking good. Yeah. <laughs> I think. My mother does too, I'm sure. I'm sure does Marianne fall, watch? Oh. Is she watching right now? Oh, she's a huge Jesse Agler fan. <laughs> Hi, Marianne. Huge Jesse Agler fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting texts to show it, but I'm not going to do that. It's not mine to show. Hey, you know what? You want to show it just so we show where we got? Go ahead. I don't know how you do that from here at this point, but I want to say later on in the yet. show we can. Uh, but I'm okay with it because it's it just I had to explain it. I came clean. I, I I tried to diet because it was very gray. And I want to show it in the best possible way. It, 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 the gray was bugging me. It was bugging me. It, uh, you know, though it was a it was a good look. It was distinguished. It was a distinguished uh-huh. look. So what's the plan now? Gray's not a bad thing. It's a great question, Jesse. I, I, I really don't know. I'm going to see how this goes. Oh, my, there it is. Oh, my gosh. Turn to the right. It looks, it looks like there was no way. Well, how do you come back from that? How do it's I come a, on tonight, you know, you, look you like a, that, and have you not, like, just lose your mind? You should have a placard like underneath that, that says San Quentin with a number underneath it. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, how do I come? If I had come on tonight, like that, that picture. Just showed up here in my little box up here. <laughs> you know, you would have lost your mind. No, it would have been great TV. It would have oh, been great internet. You would have gone crazy. I'm not. I'm not putting myself through that. So I just. It's gone. <laughs> For well, now, um, to answer your question, Jesse, I don't have a plan. Okay. As as we sit here right now, neither um, does baseball. So we're. Yeah, I was going to say we don't have any games to do. So I really don't have to do anything. I don't have to have a plan right now. At it's least like. Until- the yeah. goatee is Rob Manfred, and the die is Tony Clark, and they're just not working nicely together at this point. At this point, no, I would say that's the case. Uh, well, thank you for being such a good sport about it, and um, sure, and owning it. I, I'm impressed. You didn't have to do I, that. I, straight up, I'm an open book. Yep. Lacey, I think he I did too. I, there was no, there's no way around it. What was I going to do? Uh, thank you, Susie. Susie. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, that's a, that's a fun way to start it off. And uh, we love you. And again, thank you for being a good sport. You mentioned uh, Tony and Rob as they're calling one another. Is that good or bad, by the way? If you've noticed with all the statements going back and forth between the Players Association and the league, they are referring to each other by their first names. So to me, there's like one of two ways mm-hmm. that goes. Either it's like super passive aggressive or it does show a level of familiarity that makes you think like, all right, these guys are, are capable of getting something done. But I find it kind of funny, Don, that like in every statement Tony Clark puts out, well, Rob and I this, Rob and I that, but like with anger all around it. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I think they're definitely on a first name basis now if they weren't before and uh, everything they say now is. Um, but it's 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 unbelievable where we're kind of at right now, you know, Um I, it, it, you're having to kind of pick sides here as to who to believe um, the, what took place here on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, you know, did the owners in fact think that, that they had an agreement? Clearly they do. They feel like uh, the game number of 60, but they had g- agreed upon um, Tony Clark coming out today and his second statement two today uh, from the players union, basically saying they, they did not, it was simply a proposal and they're coming back with something else. Um, so it, it, it's just, uh, he said, she said right now uh, in between and there, he said, he said in this situation and, 
Uh, now you just kind of figure it out. Maybe they come somewhere in between and we can get somewhere here. But I do think it, it's still good that we got to this point. I think that it was really big. Uh, the commissioner Manfred went to Arizona himself and, and they were together one-on-one to get through this. I think we, we're not even to this point, if that doesn't happen. So I think he saw the emergency situation that it was and, and the urgency to get there. And I think now it's just a matter of getting somewhere in between and getting this thing going. I'm just really ticked off like a lot of fans, and that's the fan in me. First of all and foremost, I'm all about respecting my people who are in a position of, like Commissioner, I've met mayors before. I've met presidents. It's always Mr. President, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Commissioner. That's the way I would address the Commissioner Rob Manfred. That's just me. This is so complex of a deal. It amazes me how there's no documentation to where they can go back and have somebody say, for the record, this was this was said back on March, whatever. This was back on May, whatever. This is there so, somebody's leaking false information. They're not giving the right information. Either side is lying. I don't I don't know. I don't know who to believe anymore. I don't know who to trust. And that word was thrown out as well, the trust word. And whether Mr. Commissioner trusts Mr. Clark or Mr. Clark trusts the commissioner, obviously they don't get along. But that's the thing that amazes me, guys. Isn't there for such a complex agreement that there should be documentation on this to where they can black and white, this is what we'd agreed on. It's, a, it's amazing to me. Um, the, PTA, the PTA here in Alpine, when they meet for the school board, they have somebody taking minutes about what, you know, Mr. Orsillo said or what Mr. Agler said. I don't, it, it just amazes me. It really does. So, that, that's the part I don't understand is because I, I believe there is. I mean, I think up until this point, everything was done uh, via email or digitally. So uh, it exists someplace. It's just a matter of who so, you believe. Yeah. So then, so then my point is like the meating, the supposed meeting in Arizona where they you know, somebody that leaked that they said not. they came yeah. to an agreement or whatever that was like almost ironclad that it was almost done. Then all of a sudden, no, it's not. I mean, that, that wasn't the case at all. So that, and, that's and the, the frustrating. The March 26th one wasn't, though, apparently, where this all kind of began. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the different things that were thrown out at that point that, uh, you know, we would we would revisit this if there were no fans, for instance. Um, that was said to be done in that meeting. And, um, you know, that it depends who you believe there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no documentation of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a messy situation, certainly. As, as for what took place today, uh, there was a counteroffer coming out of that meeting that the two of them had earlier this week in Arizona uh, that the players made to the owners. Uh, details of that kind of emerged throughout the day today. So we've got some of what this latest offer from the players to the owners has. Uh, I remember a couple of days ago, the owners said 60 games. Uh, the players are coming back and saying 70 games. Um, so to me, you're like a regular person that feels like, okay, we're pretty close. So we're in range now with 10. You'll see though in a moment, they don't all agree with that. Uh, there's some money there for playoff bonuses and post-season TV revenue splits, uh, some salary advance forgiveness, that stuff uh, that probably is not that interesting to most fans. Uh, Universal DH, we've seen, seen that coming certainly. Also in that proposal, according to Ken Rosenthal, there is a uh, framework if needed for the postseason this year where neutral sites and quarantines could be used. Because remember, there's great concern about uh, the weather and the virus later on after summertime ends. Uh, Also, and this has gotten a lot of uh, attention, certainly uh, teams would be given the ability to put uh, advertising patches on their uniforms for the next two years. Uh, They would also agree not to uh, file grievances against one another. Uh, So that was kind of like how that information kept going on, what the offer actually was. 
How the offer was received um, is, of course, uh, the next thing. Here you go. Uh, DOA, which I believe stands for dead on arrival. Never exactly what you want to hear. So it kind of feels like, you know, we're back where we've been most of this time. Very loud language like this. But in reality, they are getting much, much closer together. Remember, it was not all that long ago. The players were talking about 100 and whatever games, and the owners were talking about 50 or 48. Um, So we're now at 60 and 70. Um, Again, they they did agree at least that a counterproposal could be made, but don't even try 70, uh, according to this report. And they did try 70, uh, again, because of the calendar and fitting everything in. We've talked a lot over the months about doubleheaders. And the possibility of, hey, that's a good way to be able to, you know, get some more games on the calendar without going into November. Apparently, the health experts are telling MLB doubleheader is not great either just because the guys would be around each other for so long over the course of an entire day or an entire night, uh, something like that. So that's another thing to sort of throw in there. Again, I, I'm, I'm an amateur here. I'm a novice. I, I'm not a bargain person. I'm not a negotiator. I'm not uh, related to either one of these two sides outside of my employment. Like if one's at 60 and one's at 70 – 65 seems like a kind of easy thing right now. Mud, if we're splitting a bill at dinner, uh, you know, and, and and you had four appetizers and I had two appetizers. <laughs> Which happens. It seems like we could figure out how to pay for that. Yeah, I, I, I say, you know, you split it down the middle, 65, and, and I've been reading all this stuff. You guys have been reading as well. And as far as revenues, 60 games was $1.5 billion. 70 games was 1.75 billion. So yeah, 163, 1.63 billion is, is pretty good number as far as I'm concerned, whatever. Um, but th- I, I think this comes down to, and I mentioned it before, and you guys have talked about it as well. There needs to be a deadline. There needs to be a deadline where the Mr. Commissioner comes out and says, Hey, we need to get something done. You know, put the feet to the fire. And here's another thing that concerns me is the is is this virus thing. Um, this this all might be a moot point if we get into spring training or something, and then all of a sudden one guy gets tested, and then all of a sudden next thing you know it's five, and then five turns into 10, 10 turns into 15, whatever. And I know they want to do the testing every day, but I tell you what, this is just something that's going to be an issue, I feel, even if they, you know, do you guys really realistically think that in a three-week spring training that nobody's going to be tested positive in this? No, I, absolutely I think, not. Yeah. That's my concern. It's a real concern. It's a legitimate concern. It probably should be the number one concern. Yes. And the fall. I mean, the fall really is. I mean, I I get why. And I do believe ownership uh, in that uh, and the owners that they really do need to get this thing over in October because November is a real flip a coin. And you're in a situation there where, you know, then you shut it down after playing a full regular season. That would really be bad. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of money that needs to be made to help recoup some of the money they're going to lose in the postseason. So October has got to happen. And it really does have to happen in October, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what everybody keeps saying, and, and that's the goal, certainly. But there is, as we've said over and over again, a health component that is serious. Remember at one point, you know, one of the ideas that was floated out there was that, all right, we'd only play in Florida, Texas, and Arizona. That was one of the ideas. Those three states have had a horrific last couple of weeks when it comes to coronavirus. So imagine if that had been the plan. We'd be now saying, well, we can't do that. So uh, my point is that things have changed so much, continue to change so much. We're chasing this thing. We're not leading it. There's a lot of defense being played right now from a health and wellness standpoint. And you can put all the plans in the world together. But when push comes to shove, you know, the guys are going to be at risk. And, and Mud, you, you laid it out perfectly. What happens when one guy testing positive on one team turns into five or seven or, or beyond, God forbid? I mean, it could yeah. turn into a very ugly situation. And that's one of the things none of these sports know. Everybody's got their plan. NBA's got a plan. MLS has a plan. Premier League has a plan. NFL 
has what they think is a plan for the fall. Baseball has something of a plan. You don't know how it's going to react, and and it's it's something we cannot forget. We really can't. Um, all right, so that's kind of the state of things. We don't know much, basically, is, is what we're saying. Um, we do a lot when you guys are on complimenting you, and I'm not going to stop. Uh, we congratulated you on your Emmy win last week. Um, obviously, just to the absolute best of, of what you do. And uh, this week on The Athletic, they did TV broadcaster rankings for all 30 teams and uh, more significant kudos coming your way, gentlemen. Uh, third in the entire league uh, by the athletic and the fan rankings right there. So again, congratulations uh, to both of you, uh, Don. Uh, it's just, it's awesome, man. What you guys are able to do night in and night out. Justin, thanks very much. We appreciate it. No, it, it's uh, it's really an honor to be even mentioned with those other guys too. I mean, uh, the Mets, obviously uh, Gary Cohen, uh, Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling and Dwayne Kuyper and uh, Mike Kruko with the uh, Giants, uh, the top two teams, those guys have been uh, top two teams for a long time over the years, and uh, they're tremendous broadcasters. So even to be mentioned with those guys is is pretty awesome for us, I think. I, I don't want to speak on behalf of you, Mud, but I, I think it's awesome. I do too. And, Jesse, thank you very much, and all the fans out there as well. I, I, I agree with totally with Don. If you're on the podium you know, with those two other broadcast teams, uh, first of all, you guys know how much I love Mike and uh, Dwayne in San Francisco. Those guys are like brothers to me. They were teammates. Love Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, and Keith Hernandez. I mean, to me, I think Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling might be the two of the coolest guys in baseball. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, I never had a brother. I consider you two guys brothers. I know Jesse, you do TV and radio as well. I've got two older sisters being the youngest in the family, but baseball is like a family to me. And to have two guys like you going to the ballpark each and every day and then sit next to Donnie, um, although this year, if we get baseball, it's going to be farther apart. Um, you know, Six feet it's, anyway. it's like it's, it's how many people can yeah. say that they love going to work each and every day and seeing two of their best friends in the business and being able to talk ball. So I feel fortunate. So thank you very much. And uh, yes, it's quite an honor. And I'm, I'm, I'm flattered and humbled. Uh, it's pretty cool. I, I don't generally like to play the small market card when we're talking about baseball. Um, I think for a long time it got overplayed. So I, I try not to do that individual personally. Um, but I think it's very applicable to this particular conversation. You mentioned uh, Gary and the, the crew at the Mets, obviously the top media market, San Francisco second, one of the top media markets in this country, and then San Diego third. That just to me shows how good and how well respected you guys are throughout the game uh, because uh, the size of this media market, I, I think, does impact the amount of attention you're able to get here. And you guys have just burst through that ceiling in a way um, that is borderline impossible to do. So, again, um, congratulations. And we actually have a little uh, surprise for you um, because, as mentioned, you know, third is not first. Um, so, you know, not even first <laughs> in the division, actually, second uh, because of the Giants. So, we have a message from one of our good friends. Hey guys, uh, Dwayne Kuyper here, Giants broadcaster. And uh, I just wanted to send all of you a little bit of a message. I saw that the uh, Athletic did their rankings as from 30 to number one, uh, who they felt or the fans felt like, uh, like who was good and who wasn't. Anyway, I saw that you guys ended up third. And I was a little shocked by that because I thought, I thought, I thought maybe you'd end up 15th. Uh, we ended up second. But, uh, but anyway, uh, just a couple of things about Don and about uh, Mark. Uh, look, I've known Mark a long time. And the best thing that ever happened to Mark Grant was he was teammates with Mike Kruko. 
because anything that comes out of Mark Grant's mouth <laughs> is something that first came out of Mike Kruko's mouth. If stealing someone else's material was a crime, uh, Mark Grant would be in prison for life. That's how much thievery uh, he's stolen from Mike Kruko. And about Donnie, you know, I saw one fan wrote, these two are a hoot. There may be no better TV than when Grant makes Orsillo laugh so hard he can't talk. Well, that's the point. The show is at its best when Orsillo can't or doesn't talk. <laughs> so I think the fan meant this to be a compliment, but it's not. It's a fact. So anyway, I just wanted to check in on you guys. I, I know uh, you got something going on right now, and it's probably a great show, but it'll probably end up third. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. He oh, is awesome. the best. Oh, I, it. I love that guy with all my heart. Oh, that's so good. He, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Oh my god, <laughs> he's right too. You even sound like Kruko. You stole his whole act. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, wow. The king of stealing smack. He nailed it. Who are you? Oh my Mike gosh, that was, that was so spot on. 2.0. <laughs> oh. The lesser Kruko. Yeah, yeah, you're like, uh, my Kruko light. <laughs> wow. Now you can, I mean, you guys know Kite and Kruko. I mean, now imagine sitting on a bench with those two guys during the course of a season. Awesome. Oh my gosh. And on the charters and on the buses and, and uh, just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 57 years old and he's 70 and it's like he'll never never let up on me. Never. You thought we should have been 15. <laughs> thought 15. You already figured you'd land. <laughs> you and whatever whatever show we're, whatever yeah. show we're doing now it's probably third. Yeah. <laughs> um, big thank you to Dwayne Kuyper for doing that. Uh, that for being a wonderful sport and taking some time out of uh <laughs> his uh, busy schedule with his grandchildren. That's uh, we came up with that this week and he over delivered. Let me tell you, man, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so thanks again to Kype. Congratulations though. Again, you guys, I did mean all the nice things I said. It wasn't set up to get to Kuiper. Thank thanks. <laughs> but you knew you had Kype to finish off. Yeah. Put a bow on it. <laughs> I just talked to him yesterday too. And he didn't even say anything about Nothing. That about about that ranking or anything. So yeah. he he got us good. That's uh, good. beautiful. Uh, one of the great characters in baseball, certainly, and uh, he and his partner both uh, should be hopefully soon destined uh, for the Hall of Fame and that yeah. Frick Award that they give to broadcasters because they are as uh, as good as it gets. Like you two, um, one of the other great <laughs> colorful characters in baseball history had had a big moment on this date uh, in 1977. R Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin. This is at Fenway, nationally televised game, and of course. Back in the day, that meant a lot of people were really watching. And uh, Reggie did not run hard after a fly ball. So Billy tried to send him a message and yanked him. And then they basically go at it in the dugout. Just one of these beautiful 70s things that we never really see anymore. Uh, those are two combustible personalities, Don. And I guess anytime oh. the Yankees and Red Sox got together, you never knew. 
Well, that, that's not the only argument that uh, Billy Martin was ever in. Uh, this one didn't end up in fisticuffs, so that, that, that's a plus. Uh, but that relationship right there was one of uh, amazing uh, to watch. I mean, I, I was a kid. Um, I, I want to say that's, what was that? What did you say, 77, 78, yeah. somewhere in there? Yeah. Um, I remember it, and, I, and it was just amazing at the time because you didn't see stuff like that in the dugout uh, generally, and it was you know such a surprise. But that relationship... Uh, it didn't go well there for a long time, and they, they didn't get along. They coexisted, I think, more than anything. Um, but Billy was a pretty fiery character. I mean, I, I, you know, I think a lot of guys had a hard time playing for him. Uh, he was going to do things the right way. Certainly an old-school manager uh, where if you didn't run stuff out, it didn't matter who you were or how much money you made, uh, he was pulling you out. Even if it was uh, in the middle of the game at Fenway Park and mm-hmm. you were in right field, you're coming out. You know, That's it. That's just the way it is. Uh, games changed a lot uh, since then. I remember talking to guys who played for Billy Martin, Dennis Rasmussen, Ed Whitson, and I think he and Ed Whitson got into a bar fight and uh, Billy broke his arm. Uh, and this was over cocktails after a game. Likes to and, drink and fight. That's oh what he likes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and Billy, <laughs> I'd never I've never met the man, but just hearing stories, he would never back down. Rich Gossage also pitched for the Yankees and Nettles, those guys. So, you know, it was Billy Billy's way or the highway. And you saw Yogi Berra on the bench here and Elston Howard trying to separate those two. But Billy would not back down to anyone. I mean, if, if Reggie would have pushed him or whatever, gotten more in his face and kind of, you know, bumped him or whatever, I'll tell you what, Billy might have gone down as far as, but he would have gone down fighting and he would have gone down fighting hard. Yeah, I mean, he's not a big uh, guy. That's the thing, you know. No. You <laughs> guys who like to fight, you know, usually. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, but he's really, there's not much to Billy, but he will fight you. Look at, he's getting right in his grill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and here comes Elson Howard, one of his coaches. Oh man, I'm gonna need a minute here. Yeah, you'll say, I think you'll see Yogi on the right. It's incredible footage. And and you think about it now, I said you never see anything like this anymore. Obviously, like the face to face stuff, really don't see, but you barely ever see anybody get yanked for doing anything. I remember, was it Andy Green's first year? Solarte maybe didn't run out of pop up or something mm-hmm. like that. That's right. And yeah. I think he took him out of the game. And and we were all talking about like, man, you never see that. And you really don't. But to do it like mid inning, let him go to the outfield, yank him back in, and then get in his face when he gets back to the dugout. That's like ten levels beyond that. That's a big yeah, time that, show up right there. That's making a statement. That really is. I mean, that's uh, I am pulling you, and the world is going to watch me do it. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, yeah, because a lot of times it's up to speculation. You think he pulled him, or the, you know, is he hurt? Yeah. You know, you don't you don't really know. It's it's between them, and it's behind closed doors, kind of. Not so much here. <laughs> remember, Reggie had his uh, differences with Thurman Munson, and a lot of the players remember in that article, the Sport Magazine, where, where Reggie said that he was the straw that stirred the drink, and like, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> and he's throwing Thurman underneath the bus, and oh man. Uh. Reggie uh, ahead of his time in a lot of ways, I think. And uh, and, uh, they weren't ready for it all in 1977. Hall of Famer, though, obviously. All right. uh, KBO uh, Sadness Report. Uh, Very good news, actually, to pass along, gentlemen, because our KT Wiz, our beloved KT Wiz, took their brooms out last night Mm. and swept SK Wyverns a 5-3 victory on the uh, back of Odrisamer Despagne, 
who went oh. seven innings last night, only allowed a couple of runs. So they sweep the Wyverns, and uh, all of a sudden, just five games out of a playoff spot, trying to make themselves uh, respectable here uh, with everything going on. Uh, in Korea, though, the, the main story, obviously, has been the fact that they've been able to play a season at this point, and, of course, they've been doing so without fans in the stands. And we've had a lot of fun on the show, showing, like, you know, the cardboard cutouts in the sands or the creepy stuffed animals and, you know, like some of the different things that have been going on there. But there's a really, really good story on on ESPN.com today, talking to some of the American guys who are playing in Korea about what the experience has actually been like in terms of on the field when it comes to no fans. And, and these guys were not pulling any punches or holding back at all. Uh, Dan Straley, who was a Padre for a minute, uh, said, you can talk to the dugout from the mound. You can hear everything. So quiet inside the dome tonight. When the home team's pitching, there's no music going. Because it's a dome, there's not even any traffic noise from outside of the stadium. Just dead silence. Uh, some other stuff that was passed along from these guys is you just sort of get a sense of how weird it must be. Casey Kelly, another former Padre, I feel like when the guy hits a ball, it sounds so loud off the bat. I feel like they crush it every time because I'm not used to hearing that sound. Usually when there's a fan, when there are fans in the stands, you don't really hear the balls, the bat really that well. And now it's so loud. Um, very interesting stuff that guys are going to have to adjust to stateside, certainly if we go forward with this no-fan plan, which certainly appears to be the case. Preston Tucker, you could be up with the bases loaded two outs late in the game. You don't realize the situation until you walk up and look at the scoreboard, and you're like, oh, this is really important because you can't tell the difference without a crowd. He said, in a big situation, you almost don't realize it. It's so quiet. Australia uh, again, you've got to find your own focus. you got to find your own will, your own adrenaline. Hey, it's still baseball. You're fighting for your job, trying to provide for your family, all that kind of stuff. There are other motivations than just loud crowds. But I'll tell you what, being here, playing in front of nobody really showed me how much I appreciate fans in the stands. This is a real adjustment, guys, uh, that they're going to have to make. More Casey Kelly just kind of talking about how you have to psych yourself up. I, I, I know we've talked about it before and how much some players – uh, use the crowd to their advantage. Look, everybody will adjust. Everybody knows that. But these are not small things these guys are talking about. No, I think this would be kind of hard for me. Um, a lot of players run off adrenaline. I mean, as announcers, I mean, Jesse, behind the radio yeah. mic, TV, Donnie, when we're doing a game, uh, you, you, there's time to lay out. It's my best work when I lay out and let, listen to the crowd, right, obviously. And as a player, though, it's like it, it's it's crunch time and bases loaded, three and two, and the, the winning runs on third, and there's there's nothing. I mean, that's that's quite an adjustment. Now, through time, will they get used to it? Probably, but it's going to be a big adjustment because I tell you what, it would be really, really weird to hear that, uh, hear nothing when you're on the mound and just, and like, you know, the, it's like uh, that, that scene of the natural. Remember Robert Redford's taking batting practice and you hear the, the crack of the bat and the ball up against the chairs up in, uh, up in right field and, and hear the echoing of it. Yeah. That would be weird in a real game time situation. That would be really weird. Yeah, I mean, the venues make a big difference for me, too. You talk about different places and working uh, just because of the, the buzz of the crowd and uh, being zero places is really going to be different. I, I think it's going to be um, very unusual, but I, I, I compare it to kind of, uh, and my, you know this better than anybody, uh, you know, like a closer, like a Kirby Yates coming in in the fourth inning of a spring training game, that kind of adrenaline for him. And I realize the game, you know, these games count and, and that's different, but as far as the, the crowd sound that he's going to be dealing with, especially in a home atmosphere, when you're trying to get a save is going to be completely different and you're going to have to drive yourself, really psych yourself up. And I guess uh, it's, it's going to take a lot of mental toughness for these guys. I think. Yeah. yeah. They're going to play you know, his entrance music, right? But it's just the music I with guess. no crowd. I, mean, I don't know. That's going to be weird. That's going to be really yeah. weird. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, at some ballparks, if they do walk off, walk up music and not at others, or if there's a rule that says you either have to, or you can't, I mean, that kind of stuff, it, it doesn't sound like top of mind. And it isn't, of course, as they try and figure out the finances and the health and safety, but like those kinds of decisions have to be made also, and they could have uh, a big impact. I saw one question that came in here, I got to scroll, sorry. Uh, and uh, somebody was asking, you know, why not pump in crowd noise, mm-hmm. uh, Frankie, to, to the ballpark itself? We were talking about that, and look, they might end up trying it, um, but our uh, our expert on that matter, Cole, who works in the control room at Petco Park, he said the issue with that would be the sound just bouncing around the empty stadium, and it would it would be very distracting, you know, to the guys there. So you may get uh, sounds on a broadcast. Um, I know that's been discussed quite a bit, but doing it in ballpark is is a far more complicated thing. Um, and I don't want to have the conversation again because we've had it 10 times about whether or not they should do it on broadcasts. I don't know the answer to that question. I go back and forth in my own mind a lot. Um, but Paul Lucas of UniWatch, I thought, wrote a really, really, really thoughtful piece on that today. Uh, it's worth checking out. Um, he, he makes a lot of great points about why he thinks they shouldn't um, and all that. But I would imagine you'll you'll get music, you'll get walk-up music. Because again, just try and create you know some kind of atmosphere and make it feel as normal as possible, which is not all that normal. All right, Justin, what was that guy's not, name again? What was that guy's name? The article. Uh, Paul right Lucas here? on UniWatch. Paul Lucas. All right. Selfishly, I would love it. I, I hope yeah. we do have in, in our headsets and and going out over the air uh, because I think it would help us a great deal, fake or otherwise. Yeah. It would help. Yeah, it would be very difficult for us without it. Um, I don't think there's yeah. any question uh, about that. Uh, talk 1998 for a moment. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but on uh, ESPN Sunday night, uh, the documentary about the 98 home run chase, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa uh, earlier today had the great opportunity to sit down with the director, the filmmaker, AJ Schnock, and uh, talk to him about that project, which is now available on ESPN Plus to watch on demand. Uh, interesting movie, interesting approach to it. And we had, as I said, the chance to talk today about the project. I guess the the obvious place to start for this would be uh, why this story for you? Uh, I grew up outside St. Louis, a Cardinal fan with a lot of Cubs fans in my family. So that rivalry and, um, you know, baseball generally was really big to me as as a kid. Uh, So when 98 happened, I had moved to L.A. By that point, I was working in film and it just was a moment for me that really reconnected me with everything I loved about baseball as a kid. Uh, just felt like a magical season. And, uh, you know, obviously now we look back at what happened in 98 and throughout the late 90s and early aughts and understand that this was part of the steroid era. And I think that, you know, because of that, it's hard to sort of remember what a huge event that was in the moment and how people uh, felt about baseball at that time. So one of our main goals is was to put everyone back uh, in that moment and try to recreate, you know, what the emotion and excitement felt like at the time. Um, you know, and then obviously we, we had to unpack, uh, some of the things that we've learned since then. Um, but the, the initial goal is, is to get you back in that moment. And it certainly accomplishes that. And then some, let me ask you, because I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, not just McGuire and so, so, but that era in general, and kind of like ruminating on it as a fan. I was 16 that summer. So like the height of like geeky baseball life, you know, yeah. for me and and how I felt about it then, how I feel about it now and every way I've felt about it in between. How many different ways have you felt about it? Yeah, it's run the gamut. I mean, I think in part because it was such a special 
um, time. And I'm sure I was one of those people who was who would, would discount anyone who said like, oh, they're all using something. And I'd be like, no, they're not. Or whatever they're using is legal and it's just helping them recover. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I know that when it, it, it was confirmed on, on McGuire's behalf, you know, that, that he had used during his career and during that season, he definitely I felt let down and, and felt bummed and one of the questions I think I had, well, you know, was like, well, what does that mean um, to my to my memories of that summer? Um, you know, that was 2011. I think in the years since then, I've kind of have, had evolving feelings about it. Um, but yeah, that was one of the questions that we asked. I think pretty much every interview subject uh, that we had was, you know, if you had wonderful feelings about this back at the time, you know, what do you do with those feelings now? Can you can you still you know, are the feelings still real? Even if you think that maybe the, the achievements are, as Bob Costa said, inauthentic, was the feeling authentic? And were your emotions about the game and about those two guys authentic? Long Gone Summer premiered Sunday on ESPN, now available on ESPN+. Plus. I know nothing about filmmaking, so uh, enlighten me if you would. How long does a project like this take to put together? Uh, it takes a little while. We uh, we kind of started talking about it with ESPN almost exactly three years ago in June of uh, 2017. Um, I started uh, connecting with with Mark McGuire in November of that year of, of 20, did I say 2019, but 2017. Um, so three years ago. Uh, so in 2017, November. Um, and the first thing we actually shot, we came and while Mark was still a coach with the Padres, we came to spring training. Uh, and film, did some filming in March of 2018. That was kind of just some initial shooting that, that we did. Um, but still like getting Mark and Sammy to agree that this was, you know, the project that they wanted to do and that they were going to want to sit down and talk at the length that I wanted them to about, you know, that summer and about their entire career. How, how difficult of a process was that? You don't have to go into details on who said what or anything, but just in terms of trying to get a couple of guys who are, you know, I think mercurial and, and have obviously had an interesting past to, to sit down and agree to that. Well, I, neither one of them are, have done like long form interviews uh, recent, you know, in, the, in recent years. I mean, um, Mark never really liked doing them. Um, I think Sammy, you know, was certainly very press friendly during the, the late 90s, um, but hadn't really done much uh, recently. So that was a lot, you know, because, you, you know, you're saying like, we're going to cover your entire career. There's no question off limits. Um, we're going to deal with steroids. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, saying like, you know, each interview we did with them was over two and a half hours, which is a, that's a lot of time to ask of anybody. Um, and, and to do it twice um, when they then didn't have any control over what the product of the film would be. You know, they didn't, they didn't have any editorial control. They didn't have any ability to, um, you know, veto anything. Um, so that's, it's a lot of, it's a lot to ask of a documentary subject. And, um, and I, I took that seriously that they both said yes. Filmmaker AJ Schnock with us, uh, the movie Long Gone Summer, now available on ESPN+. Plus. Obviously, that summer was incredibly well covered uh, for the media landscape of that time. What are some of the interesting things you learned doing the movie that you didn't know, you know, just as a fan and, and someone who was following it as closely as you were? Well, definitely there were kind of some stories that, that people had that I wasn't familiar with um, or, you know, things that both of these guys said publicly at the time that maybe wasn't exactly, um, you know, the case. You know, I think Mark had usually said, you know, that he wasn't trying to break the record. He wasn't trying to hit home runs. So to find out that he had written down, 
um, you know, kind of plotted out how many home runs he would have to hit each month, written that down, put it in his safe at the beginning of the year is what his, you know, kind of his goals were um, that he had a, you know, he really was thinking like, how do I break this record? And he's thinking that going into, into spring training, that was certainly new information. Um, you know, Sammy, he was, he was so much, uh, you know, like, I'm happy to be here. I think we saw in his interview, somebody who, you know, recognized that the part of, you know, his, what he, what he was doing and, and his exuberance, uh, part of that was obviously genuine, but it also, he understood it to be a great marketing tool to get people to want to be covering him more. I mean, he wanted the coverage. He, he says in the film, I, you know, I knew I had to keep hitting home runs to be on sports center every night. You know, these are the things he's going, that are going through his mind. So, um, you know, when we saw the two of them together, there, there's, they seem to have this great friendship, um, this great, you know, camaraderie. Um, and certainly they made the most of each of those opportunities. But, you know, as you learned in the film, there wasn't really much more of that than what we what we saw the the press conferences the moments on the field it wasn't like they were going up to dinner you know talking to each other on the phone um it was pretty much limited to the things we saw at the time which i think um when, when you think about it is kind of surprising yeah that's a, that's a great point very interesting um it, it's so fun reliving stuff like this at the proper distance and it seems like almost the exact right amount of time has passed but for whatever reason at least in my mind um, as you obviously put the thing together, you got to talk to McGuire, you got to talk to Sosa, you end up getting a tremendous roster of subjects to speak with for the documentary. Um, was there one you said, I, I have to get? And the second part of that question, I guess, would be of everybody you did get, who were you happiest you did after the fact? I mean, I felt that, I mean, it's just sort of as a general uh, answer, like not, not a specific individual, but, you know, you, we knew we wanted, um, a couple of people that McGuire played with, a couple of people that Sosa played with. We wanted both managers. We wanted uh, broadcasters for both teams. You know, we wanted to have writers who were covering uh, that season locally, who were the, the local um, beat writers on, on baseball. So uh, I was really happy that we were able to do that, that we were able to get, you know, that uh, from both the, the Chicago side as well as the St. Louis side. I think, you know, La Russa was a really key interview, not just because of, you know, him being the manager of the Cardinals, but his life uh, in baseball relationship with McGuire, you know, I think from, it's so unusual for them to have been together as manager and player, almost the entirety of McGuire's playing career. I think there's, you know, a little over a year when he was still in Oakland after Tony left. Um, and the relationship between them is, is a, is a pretty unique one. Um, you know, I mean, Mark had described uh, Tony as his second father. So um, that was something that I felt we really needed because he could speak to Mark as uh, uh, someone coming into the game as a rookie um, and also, you know, the person who he recruited, you know, years later to be a coach. Um, so th that was something. And, I, and we thought we were only going to have about 45 minutes with LaRue. So we had gone to, uh, to Rhode Island, to Pawtucket to uh, interview him. He was working with the Red Sox at the time. Uh, we ended up doing almost three hours um, with him. So it, it was a great interview. And we all felt afterwards like, that was that was one we really wanted, we really needed, and uh, we were super happy with that we got it and how it turned out. Really cool. All right, I got one more for you. Uh, again, I, I haven't interviewed a lot of filmmakers. I think maybe one other ever. Um, but I feel like this is the kind of question I always read in articles uh, or interviews with them. 
best thing that got cut. There's always great stuff that gets left on the uh, on the cutting floor. Obviously, trying to fit it into whatever time frame uh, needs to be accepted. So, uh, what, what's perhaps the one thing that was next up on the list? Yeah, I mean, it, that's there is the challenge when you're, um, uh, you know, you have a TV time. You know, there is an exact out <laughs> that you have to have. You know, and I did ask, like, well, can we go in the sports center just a little bit? Like, is that possible? <laughs> and they're like, no, you cannot. You have to, you have to be done. Um, so a few things. There were definitely some some of Sammy's relationship with his home country and how um, Dominicans in the U.S. like just felt so much pride in what he was doing. Um, and, and then the work that he did, uh, in the DR, uh, after that season, I mean, we have hints of it. You see fans, you see the people waving the flag, you see coverage of him going back there, um, after the season is over. But I, but that was one thing I wish we could have gotten into, uh, a little bit more. And, you know, junior, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is that uh, obviously the story started out as people believing it was going to be between McGuire and, and Ken Griffey jr. So, um, the, there were definitely times when we had longer stretches where we were trying to get more into junior's year and what was happening with him. Um, and, and that just became difficult because it, it was hard to even find the place. Well, where do you, you know, it's, he had a great season. He hit, you know, I think 56, 57 home runs. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he, um, you know, you have to write him out of the storyline at some place and how, where do you do that and how do you do it? And so that was, there were challenges involved in, in, in telling the story of these two guys um, and including someone who rightly deserves his own film. I think MLB is doing something this weekend. Um, you know, that was, that was another challenge. And obviously if we would have had more real estate, it would have been great to, to dig in more to that. Really good stuff. Uh, AJ Schnock, long gone summer now on ESPN plus summer 98. It was a big one, obviously, and one that's been uh, talked about a lot lately uh, with baseball having some difficulties right now. Uh, appreciate the time. I'm sure you've been doing a thousand things like this in the last couple of weeks. So I know it's exhausting, but uh, as far as I can tell, this was like the first time you ever did it. And that's a, that's a great thing we appreciate. So thanks, man. Well, and, uh, I was thrilled, to, thrilled to do it. And yeah, I mean, it was to be able to, to join you. I, this is one of my last interviews. And I think, you know, the, since the first thing we shot was, with the Padres, it all feels like it comes full circle. All right, AJ Schnock. And uh, again, the movie was on ESPN Sunday night, now available on ESPN Plus. Bring back Don and Mud. Guys, I want to talk for a minute about 98, and we'll, we'll kind of move on a little bit. But the, the thing I put up to him, and I'll tell you how I felt, and I want to hear from both of you guys. Like I said, I, I was 16 that summer, like the biggest baseball fan ever, high school. Like this was obviously the greatest thing going uh, with McGuire and Sosa for me as a fan that summer. Years later, everything sort of starts to come out. It felt sullied to me. It felt disappointing to me. I felt let down a little bit. Now, though, uh, as an adult and all these years later, I still do look back at it with fondness uh, more than I probably did in the immediate aftermath of it, because kind of like what he said, like those memories aren't gone. Like the enjoyment that I got out of it that summer is legitimate. I've softened a lot on the steroid era in general. Um, part of that, I think, is sort of this sad acceptance on my part, at least that it was maybe very, very, very widespread. Um, so it doesn't feel to me as freakish, maybe as compared to everything else that was going on at the time, um, as it did a couple of years later. So I, I've come a long way on it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of curious how you guys feel. Donnie, go ahead. 
you know, at the time, I was really, really excited about it. I mean, I, I was wrapped up in it, and I, and there are people that will tell you that that combination saved uh, the game in some respects because of where they had come from. The '94 strike, uh, things were not going well, and all of a sudden, the popularity of the sport, people got wrapped up in it. It was a big deal, and you know, the fact that uh, it came out later that uh, you know it was not overly authentic. Uh, the part that really bothered me the most, I think. And, you know, I, I was such a, a big Roger Maris fan, you know, and what he had accomplished, um, you know, the, the, the movie 61 that was done by Billy Crystal, I, I thought was uh, a great, great movie. Um, and I believe it was. I, I'm not even sure. It might have been HBO. I'm not sure who did it, but uh, he had produced it, and yeah. I really got wrapped up in the whole Maris thing and uh, the whole summer for him. And and you know, I, and I, I it bothered me that it was done um, the way that it was done, and the fact that it was steroids that that got him there. And I, and I know within uh, the show, he said that he thinks he could have done it without the steroids, and maybe he could have, but we'll never know. And unfortunately that for me kind of ruins it and, uh, stains it a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. Um, I want to go back though. At the moment, I was really into it. I mean, I was glued just like everybody else. When I was doing games that year, they had, you know, whether we were in San Diego, wherever in the press room and in the uh, upstairs, they'd have the game on. They'd have the Cardinal game on or the Cubs game on, and everybody would be glued to that TV when McGuire or Sosa came up. And then when the Cardinals played the Cubs, and you know, obviously in the same division, and, and they they hooked horns. I mean, my gosh, time stopped to watch these two guys. Now, as I as I look back on, it, I said, yeah, you know, it's tainted. Uh, I, I I totally agree with Don. Also, the Roger Maris thing, what he had to go through to to, to break the longstanding record of Babe Ruth's single season home run record. You know, back then it was, I was like, why, why are these guys hitting so many home runs? Why is the league hitting so many home runs? But it was, remember the word, remember the product creatine? Remember that word was being thrown around? Yeah. That product, remember Andro Steendione? Remember that was being thrown around too? So it was kind of like, I was, okay, these guys are working out a lot. They're spending a lot of time in the weight room and they're taking this stuff, whether it's over the counter or prescribed or whatever. I don't know. I, I didn't know the case at the time. All I know is that those two products, those two names came out. So if you took creatine, you had to drink a lot of water, and these guys would go to the weight room and get pumped up. That's why they were so strong. And then fast forward, Jose Canseco comes out with his book. He says all this stuff, and people think he's crazy. Well, you know what? Say what you want about that. But, yeah, as I look back on now, it was kind of tainted. And, and I've, I've always said this as well. I, it, it was great for the game at the time. It was great for the game at the time, but I don't think it saved the game of baseball because baseball is a great way of rejuvenating self and, and coming back to life. Um, so from that standpoint, that's, that's what I think. Uh, I don't think those guys saved the game. It was great for the game at the time, but as far as saving the game, I don't think so. Baseball would, would, would bounce back. I think I remember during it feeling bad for the Maris family, you know, mm -hmm. the kids were there and it was so sad that it was happening, that the record was going to be gone. Um, but it was even more sad afterwards when I found out that, you know, he had taken steroids to do it. I mean, that yeah. makes me even more sad. So I felt badly for the Marises. Yeah, no, that's that's a very valid part of the whole story without any question whatsoever. Um, this is that great footage we saw the other day at the World Series in 98, McGuire snagging a foul ball. Um, I, the other thing, I guess, you know, just thinking about it is you mentioned the Andro, and I guess that was the one that was in the locker above his head, right? Like during an interview, Mark. Right. And and I remember, and again, I'm a high school kid, 
And I remember getting that feeling in my stomach, like, that's that's probably not great. Even though it was a legal substance and it wasn't a steroid, it did, you know, kind of, I think at whatever point in the summer that was, I started to look at it maybe a little bit differently. But again, as a kid, it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I would eventually be bothered by it all. And now for whatever reason, like I said, I've, I've come weirdly full circle. And I, I just look back at that era as a, an odd chapter in baseball history and, um, you know, we talk a lot about records in baseball more than any other sport and and perhaps sometimes to, to our detriment, uh, because, you know, like you said, what and that movie, you're right on HBO, the Billy Crystal movie did a great job of, I think, illustrating everything that, that Maris and Mantle were going through that summer. Um, but like every generation deals with its own set of nonsense. Um, you know, Babe Ruth, you know, oh, at the time, right, it was Ford Frick was the commissioner. And oh, this is Babe Ruth's record. And, you know, you're getting to play more games and everything like that. Well, Babe Ruth never had to take a trip longer than like, you know, a train ride to St. Louis or whatever. And also never had to face a black pitcher. Uh, Roger Maris was, you know, playing in a different era. And, you know, the technology of the bats comes a long way. I mean, there's like a million different things you sure. can throw out there. I'm rambling, but, um, uh, you know. I, I will agree with you too, Jesse. I mean, I, I do believe that the pitchers were also on steroids. So, I mean, you can make, that's the other thing. I mean, yeah. I think you're competing against guys who are also on steroids. So is it an even playing field? I think it probably was for the most part. Yeah. yeah, let's not just think the guys who are hitting home runs were doing it. I mean, it was rampant, I think. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I'm not going to throw a percentage out there, but if I I just there were more guys doing it than you than you think. Yeah. All right, so that's uh that's that. Speaking of home runs, uh just the segue. That's it right there. Time for our weekly Padres memorable jack brought to you by Jack in the Box. towards deep right center field off the bat of Cordero. That ball is back, and it is gone. A home run. I got your humidor. That was a blast to the right of the scoreboard. Talk about launch angle. That was this week's memorable Padres Jack presented by Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box is open and ready to serve you all of your favorites at the drive-thru on the mobile app and with delivery. One lucky fan who checks in on social media during tonight's show will win a Jack Cash card. So let us know that you're watching 489er feet mm. off the scoreboard <laughs> at Chase Field, guys. That's one of the craziest ones we've seen in the last couple of years, Mud. It I tell you what, Barry Bonds hit one off of Dennis Tankersley off at Qualcomm off the scoreboard. That's probably one of the longest ones I've ever seen because you know how far the stands went back there at, at Jack Murphy and Qualcomm. This one that Franchi hit, the thing that amazes me is I go back to the pitch and the swing. That swing was so pretty, and it seemed like it was just, I mean, it was firm, but it was it looked effortless. And then where the, the, this thing goes? I mean, it's 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 like on the frame of the scoreboard halfway to three quarters of the way up that is some kind of strong oh it just makes you wonder you know if he could just stay healthy yeah what could this guy be you know i mean just watching that ah it's unbelievable yeah right by the left on base right there my goodness huge and you know now jesse did they measure that where it hit or the estimated if it would continue to go past that as I recall, the way that StatCast computes their home run distance, and that's what we all use now, mm-hmm. it's basically how far it would have gone had it not run into something. Okay. That's how their lasers figure right. that out. How I'm not a scientist. 489? Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what were you doing, lasers? You were a physics major, weren't you, Mud? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. 
Watch, I'll guarantee you this ball as I drop it, it's going to fall. Uh, but you're uh, a genius. Yeah. Sir Isaac Newton over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, how about uh, every week we've been doing this, we've been having a good time uh, sending some food from a Petco Park partner to a lucky fan, our open for takeout, powered by Bud Light. This week, one of my personal favorites, uh, maybe the place I visit more than any other during the season at the ballpark, Board and Brew. That mm. I know for an absolute fact is a Turcado because Turcados are my favorite. And that is a lovely Turcado that was sent to a lucky Padre fan. Uh, Board and Brew reminds you that all locations now open for dine-in, takeout, and delivery. Get your info at boardandbrew.com. Coming up tonight on Fox Sports San Diego, just about 35 minutes from now, uh, another Padre classic game. That would be Bryce Harper, the Philly uh, from last year. This is, uh, what, June, I think, 3rd? of last season uh manny machado and bryce harper the two biggest contracts uh in baseball history i guess right at that point uh go head to head and face off at petco park kind of a cool storyline the chase utley fan is very excited about the machado homer and uh that one is coming up tonight at seven o'clock gentlemen always a true pleasure thank you jesse thank you jesse donnie good to see you jesse great job again Hopefully, I will have a beard by next week. <laughs> I was going to ask. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> – so you're saying now that's – I don't know. I'm non-committal. Mom did text. She loves it. She wants the uh, the facial hair never to return. But I don't know how I feel about it. Again, there's just way, way too much face. <laughs> too much uh, face hey, is the name of my new band. Uh, that's the other thing I want to promote. 5.30 tomorrow on Fox Sports San Diego, all the usual uh, digital places as well. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. What do you have, Don? Uh, for Friar Friday, it's a great question. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, tune in. You don't want to ruin it. I don't know. I don't know. Fewer spoilers. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to ruin anything. Of course, I don't know. <laughs> Could be eyewash. <laughs>